You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning, or good evening, indeed, wherever you may be in the world. Welcome to our very first ProcureTech Hub. This is a new format that we're going to be doing as part of the ProcureTech podcast, where every five or six weeks or so, uh, I will be joined live online by an industry expert to have a good old chat and debate about something new or something very relevant that's happening in the digital procurement space. So on this very first one, I am joined by Nico Back. Uh, Nico is founder and CEO of his own company, Digital Procurement Now, and also has quite a long and illustrious career in uh, digital procurement in the corporate world as well. So Nico, I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, Over to you, sir. Hey, hey, James. So yeah, thanks uh, thanks for having me. Very exciting to be on your first uh, podcast. Um, yeah, I've been with uh, a big consumer goods company called uh, Procter & Gamble for 24 years. I never thought I would last uh, that long with the same company, but most of that was in procurement. And actually, the last years was uh, kind of leading digital procurement uh, for Procter & Gamble, which was very exciting. And I learned a lot. And um, after that, I thought, well, let's hit it off on my own and see if I can help other companies and people with digital procurement uh, transformations because that's really what we uh, what we are focusing on at, uh, at digital procurement now fantastic and I mean you can tell us a little bit about what you did there as part of your transformation exercise because that's going to be really relevant for the debate that we're going to have uh, because we we're going to be talking about a uh, best of breed versus sweets and and I think that background is really relevant to sort of really cement your position on obviously going to be arguing on the on the side of sweets today and and I'm going to be giving the case for best of breed so just talk to us a little bit about that Nico and then we can jump straight in yeah 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 I mean the discussion about best of breed versus uh, integrated sweets is uh, is a very interesting one and and I think a very interesting book recently came out from uh, a Louise Epstein from Kearney uh, which I read, and actually I'm in, in constant conversation with her about that book, which I found very, very interesting. Um, so I think it's um, it's probably a bit of both, right? I think it's very hard to cover every procurement process for every spend area within an integrated suite. Uh, but I think there's so much discussion about these best-of-breed solutions that I think it's also fair to spend a little bit more time on, on integrated suite and why I believe that's actually where you need to start. As you as you look into digital procurement, it's not the easiest place to start because obviously you have to make pretty uh, substantial changes to your uh, your uh, ERP setup and integrations, etc. Uh, but in my, I mean, it's my belief that this is kind of the the hard right versus kind of buying some fancy best of breed solutions and creating data silos and and um, and so on. So obviously there is multiple uh, ways to roam, but uh, I think it's maybe good to, to talk a little bit about uh, the path that we've uh, we've been on and what's worked for us uh, at PNG and also what I'm working with clients at the moment in terms of what's there, <clears throat> what should be that digital procurement strategy and, and what, where to look for technology solutions, which is, it's not easy, right? I mean, there's many, so many solutions out there I think very few people understand them all. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really know where to start. So I think that's really probably good, uh, a good starting point for this conversation, James. And I think you hit on a, on a great point there that a lot of people don't know where to start. Interestingly enough, and I can give maybe everyone a bit of a, a sort of sneak preview to an open secret, really. Uh, I'm, I'm building a website, actually, at the moment, which is what's taking up a lot of my time. I'm not personally building it. I've got someone doing it for me. I'm not a tech guy. Uh, but that will actually cover um, a lot of the sort of confusion for someone that's maybe new into 
into a head of procurement role around, you know, where do you start? And especially, especially in, in the mid-market, you know, there are websites and content out there for people working in big enterprise level companies, Fortune 500, FTSE 100, DAX 30 companies. But if you're a head of procurement with a much smaller procurement team in terms of resource and capability, a lot of that content, I did a podcast episode on this a few weeks back, is not particularly relevant. And, and I think that is a real gap out there. And, 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 and I mean, that will, once it's launched, I hope, cover off a lot of that because it will enable people to do a sort of pre-RFI activity to really get down to the shortlist of, okay, which solutions do I need to speak to and see demos and do my due diligence on, which which I do think is missing at the moment. So, I mean, my background, just if, if anyone has not come across me before and is looking at this maybe from, from your profile, Nico, I, I haven't done what you've done in the corporate world, but what really got me excited about digital procurement was really what drove me to leave the corporate world, which is I spent probably half of my day doing tasks which could either be eliminated, delegated, or automated. I spent a lot of my time as a pretty well-paid regional category manager doing essentially transactional, operational, and administrative tasks. And I'm certainly not the exception. I would say that's with the with, with, within most more traditional industries, that's pretty much the norm because in the last 2008-2009 recession, a lot of the admin assistants and junior buyers were their their, their positions were were scratched and and they and and they left the organisations and and that left category managers to do things like chasing people to sign contracts or or manually submit travel expenses and all the kind of things that are not an added value use of our time so that's really what got me interested into it and i saw that it was such a rapidly expanding marketplace even more since covid now if you look at especially on the best of breed side the number of companies that started out in 2020 or as a, as a result or, or certainly expanded and grew and got more investment uh, as a way to sort of take an opportunity from a crisis the marketplace is, has mushroomed now compared to what it was you know, in 2019 when I first started looking at this and doing a bit of research and, and understanding who was, who was out there other than you know, the obvious players that we're going to talk about in the suites that most people have heard of. So, yeah, I mean, let's start off then. What would you consider to be the main sort of suite providers? Because there is a bit of a gray line in terms of some some solutions providers consider themselves best of breed. I mean, I've got I've got seven that I made a note of that I would consider to be the biggest enterprise level suites. But you've got a lot more experience in that part of the market, Nico. So maybe let's call them out. Who would you see as being in this group before we talk about which one's the best solution? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, James, you hit a fantastic point, which is. You know, why is digital so exciting for procurement? It's because it changes the procurement function, right? The impact that procurement can have on the business being digital is five or 10 times the impact that procurement can have on the business without digital. And this is why I am so excited about it, right? Because I've been a procurement professional for more than 20 years. I've bought contract manufacturing, packaging, uh, IT, you know, services, and I was always, you know, having kind of a lack of data to be able to do my category management to a level at which I wanted to do it, right? Which was all about creating a competitive edge for the company I was I was working for, right? So, and this is why, you know, digital is so exciting for procurement. And this is why I think procurement professionals need to understand digital because it's going to change our function dramatically, Okay. Now, uh, to your point around um, um, kind of platforms or kind of source-to-pay suites, um, obviously there's um, you know many companies, many companies out there. But when I kind of started working on this in 2015, the big thing was supplier networks. Okay, so supplier networks is kind of instead of working on one-on-one connections with your suppliers, it was basically leveraging a supplier network to connect with all of the suppliers that are subscribed to this network, okay? And this, this network effect is amazing because instead of having 
you know, as a supplier, I have to do business with these 50 companies and they all have their own supplier portal. I can now work with a couple of these major portals or major supplier networks. And that's going to dramatically simplify my life as a supplier to all of these uh, multinationals and all, all of my clients. And actually, I mean, there's only two supplier networks. Um, you know, one is um, Ariba that was bought by SAP in 2014. That's been around since 2001, right? So very long history, you know, came out of free markets, which was the first time we had auctions. So we had plenty, very exciting start. But I think after it was acquired by SAP, I, you know, I'm, I personally think that the innovation started to lag behind um, kind of the other kind of big platform provider in the space, which is the which is the Coupa platform, right? That was founded in 2006, and then since then has grown um, pretty um, rapidly, and I think provides a lot of offering across kind of sourcing, ordering, and payments by bringing that whole all of those processes together in a single platform, yeah. and and don't have multiple solutions that your suppliers have to work with because that's that complexity is 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 killing your supplier connectivity efforts right so i, yeah. I really think there's only you know two big supplier networks out there and uh, i think everybody that looks into this has to figure out what's the right platform for them so and that's I, that's I, a really interesting first point actually sorry sorry to interrupt there but so we've got obviously they're the two market leaders on the suite side but so are you saying then that the others, that I'm thinking Jagger, iValue, Zykus, maybe Medius and, and Workday included in there as well, do they not have that supplier portal that integrates with all of their with 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 all of their other customers, or or are you just saying that they just don't have the relevance because they've not achieved critical mass with the number of people using it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a, a mix actually. I think a lot of them don't have the critical mass to begin with. Uh, so, of course, I mean, in the tech world, we've seen this before that kind of the winner takes it all, right? I mean, if you're on Facebook, yeah. you're not going to play around with your kind of country-specific social media platform, right? I mean, we could just, we could maybe have a competition how many ABBA or, quotes we can get into this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, yeah, in the Netherlands, we had the Hives platform that was uh, kind of pretty hot for a number of years still. Uh, everybody moved to Facebook and Instagram. But um, but anyway, right? So I think when it, when it's a network game, I think there will be limited number of players out there, and I think quite a lot of the providers they don't create a supplier network. They so you can leverage their platform, but as a supplier, I mean, I I have different processes and a different login for customer A versus customer B, right? So I can't manage my customers kind of together. I, I have different logins and different even if I use like um, like an iValua or some of the other uh, platforms out there, so I don't think they they really play the same game as as the um, as Ariba and Coupa from a supplier network point of view. Yeah, they play I think very much the same game when it comes to like sourcing functionality and and catalog functionality and those type of things. But I don't think they leverage themselves really as a supplier network uh, like the other. Right. Team. Okay. Yeah, so that is an important difference in terms of supplier collaboration, I guess, and just, I guess, resistance from suppliers to sign up for, for, for the service as well. So what do then, so, I mean, you touched on it a little bit already, that suites typically offer source-to-pay or source-to-contract functionality. What do they typically then not cover? Um, because you would assume to varying extents they should be strong in, in aspects of the source to pay or source to contract process. And there will be people that will say, that will argue against that maybe in terms of user experience, but in terms of features, at least, they should be pretty strong in that area. Where, where do suites then typically fall down in terms of where they, in terms of what they don't cover? I mean, I think the, the obvious one that I'm thinking of, which is a bit of a buzzword at the moment is sustainability and maybe risk management to some extent, but are there any other areas that you can think of that typically they, they, they don't cover? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what is procurement all about, right? Procurement is around suppliers providing goods, services, innovation, etc., to a buyer. And at the buying side, you have people in procurement and you have the business, right? So the business using the services 
procurement, basically, um, you know, putting the contracts in place, doing the sourcing exercises, etc. So at the high level, procurement has three personas to cater for, right? On one side, you have the suppliers. And often, I mean, in, at P&G, we had 60,000 suppliers, right? All over the world. I mean, very complex to manage, right? We had 1,200 buyers and we had 55,000 people that are involved with suppliers in the buying process. So those three personas, I mean, having one platform in which these three personas collaborate and where all information is visible across these different personas is super powerful. And, you know, no matter, I mean, you can look at whatever best of breed provider, but if you don't have these three personas working together, the scope of that best of breed solution is going to be limited. Okay. Because you don't, you, you can't run the whole procurement process on it. And I think many people see the ERP system as an alternative to a platform, but ERP systems are not designed for procurement. They are designed for accounting, right? So there's no, you know, kind of, there's no entry. I mean, suppliers cannot see into your ERP, et cetera. So there's many limitations with ERPs. Now, to get to your point around where do best of breed, where do sweet su uh, suppliers fall short? of kind of best of breed suppliers. I mean, I think there's many areas where that are kind of category specific or it can be industry specific. I mean, look at things like um, conflict minerals, right? Big deal for the uh, mining companies, battery companies, automotive companies, but most other companies don't care about it. You know, child labor is another one. A environmental scores like Ecovadis type of scores, et cetera. So, that's it. You, know, you have to find ways to connect these solutions or this data into an environment where the category manager sees what they are buying and they also see what the risk profile is of the suppliers they're buying, he's buying from or she's buying from. And so you cannot have a, a integrated suite that is not open to connect with all these other um, providers. And you can well decide that you know for auctions you want to have this tool. Because, you know, logistics, that's where all, I mean, all your carriers are already adopting that tool. So you can have very specific use cases where you say, well, a best of breed, breed provider, best of breed provider is, is much better able to meet my needs than the suite supplier, right? But I think if you don't have a suite that is cloud-based and open to your suppliers, I still believe that's the best place. That's the place to start from. And it's not, it's not easy. I mean, it takes time. It costs quite some money and quite some effort. But that's, I think, the foundation that companies need to have to really kind of lift procurement from the kind of the transactional world and, and kind of just chasing you know, other people uh, to really be strategic for their businesses and for their companies. There is so much that I can dig into there, and there's. Uh, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to memorize then what uh, what you've just said because there's so much I could I could break down there. Let's let's start then with the first one. So you mentioned that in some cases it does make sense to add on best of breed solutions, but fundamentally it's better to have a suite in place as a as a foundation. Do you think then that's an that's kind of, I mean, SAP Ariba, SAP Ariba and Cooper have now their own app stores and you've got best of breed solutions like Pear Angusta is the obvious one that I'm thinking of because they, you know, they, 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 they've been quite aggressive in getting integration with, with, with the suites. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know, I know Tealbook, I think has done it with, 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 with Jagger. Is that an acknowledgement then by the suites that, it is a one size fits all product and it's never going to be able to do everything because i mean i think on the one hand it is it's good that they're acknowledging that that there are things that they can't do mm -hmm. yeah yeah well i mean it's a little bit like uh, this this famous machine here right i mean <laughs> this famous machine can do a lot but i mean it's it doesn't write the best fitness apps right it doesn't write the best navigation apps, et cetera, et cetera. So what, I mean, what you do is you bring those applications into the same environment where data actually flows between those applications and kind of the, the engine on which the whole procurement process run, runs, which I think is your source to pay um, platform, right? So, I mean, I, I think it's, 
there's a very, I mean, you see this has happened, this had happened in the consumer world. I think a Salesforce is very far uh, with, I mean, there's loads of companies that write applications within Salesforce, yeah. right? I mean, for all kinds of, you know, marketing industries uh, and, um, and Salesforce sells those applications within the platform to Salesforce customers. And this is the same way as, as SAP Ariba and, and Coupa are going to basically bring those solutions to life for their customers. Right. I mean, sourcing yeah. optimization is a, is, a, is a good example. I mean, Ariba doesn't have that part of the native suite and they would then have a sourcing uh, optimization uh, provided with QVAR that you can buy as part of that, as part of their offering. Right. So you have something that's already integrated and, and Cooper does exactly the same thing with many of those solutions. So I don't think it's like an admission that this is a one size fits all. It is, it is actually it is the future. I mean, to me, it's like it creates the the environment where you can actually have APIs with those solutions and and an ERP system like Oracle or SAP will never be able to do that uh, the, the way that um, that uh, Ariba or, or Cooper are able to do that. I mean, they're kind of more modern architectures where APIs are kind of given, a given versus something that uh, needs to be custom developed for a customer right so yeah this is the way i would this is the way i i kind of see it based on my experience right i mean my experience has been in consumer goods uh, over many many years and i now have quite a few customers outside of consumer goods so you learn a lot about how they set up their p2p systems or source to pay systems um but i've not come across anyone that um, is better off with a collection of best of breeds than a suite. And, and I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I do think it's highly dependent on company size at, uh, to, to a certain extent, because yeah. at, at what point, I mean, let's let's take whether or not the suites would talk to customers directly based on how big they are to one side, because I know their sales teams typically won't get out of bed and talk to anyone directly below a certain turnover. Yeah. But at what point then would you say, because, you know, if we're comparing Crocs and Gamble as a Fortune 500 company that does you know, billions of, of, of dollars or, or euro worth of turnover a year, if you compare that to a mid-market business that's maybe got a procurement team of, uh, of, of, sort of 10 to 20 people, you're comparing night and day, aren't you? So, I mean, I, I, do, I do follow your argument and I do agree with you up to a point, but where I guess I would quite strongly disagree would be if you had a mid-market business that's doing a few hundred euro or, or, or a few hundred thousand, um, uh, a, a few hundred million dollars or euro annual turnover. Yeah. I would argue that it probably or definitely doesn't make sense to go out and buy a, a suite just based on a the cost, b the functionality, and and c the amount of time that it takes to plan, implement, and and, and leverage the benefits from it. Whereas in mm-hmm. In a big monolith like like PNG, or indeed, you know, I I used to work for a direct competitor of PNG at Kimberly Clark. You know, the, they do have the resources and the external consulting budget to go out and do something like that. So, where yeah. would where would you say the cutoff point is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a very good question, right? Because now I I am involved into mid market. Um, so actually, I work with a company in the Netherlands, uh, Dinatos, who actually does uh, is a reseller of uh, of Coupa, um, and they go into mid market, right? So they go into the market where Coupa doesn't go themselves. And the question is, at well, what point does it make sense to invest in an integrated source to pay uh, suite? So I've seen I've seen companies with an indirect spend of maybe fifty to hundred million dollars. Uh, taking advantage of a source-to-pay suite. I have seen that. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, you can say, well, and, and, and I mean, if, if, you, if you can basically optimize your spending over like 50 or $100 million, because now you have visibility, you have control um, over that spend before actually the invoice comes in from the supplier, I think the investment pays back pretty pretty fast, right? I mean, let's say you save 2% of your spend on a hundred million dollars a year, yeah, then I mean that that pays for the investment for setting up a digital source-to-pay platform. So I'm um, I'm learning about this part of the market. 
uh, James, because it's not some uh, an area that I've been active in. Uh, but I see quite some customers that um, or companies that actually uh, taking advantage of of these these suites without having uh, kind of the size that um, that people maybe thought uh, was needed to justify the the investment and the efforts. And the alternative is they run it on their ERP system, which is also expensive. I mean, running on yeah. ERP is not cheap. And if you have to then upgrade it to, let's say, the latest and greatest uh, release from Oracle or SAP, you're going to spend, again, a lot of money on it. Um, and, um, you know, it's still not cloud-based. It's still not built for procurement. Um, and it's still not going to be user-friendly. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really know what the... What the cutoff point is at the low end, but it's it's probably I mean it's lower than I I had anticipated, for sure. Yeah. Certainly, Cooper, I knew that they were going into the mid market. Um, I think SAP Ariba less so, but I'm surprised that they're going that low. I thought they might be going in at about 500 million. If, I'm, if we're talking dollars, euro, maybe pounds too. But I'm surprised yeah. that they're going in that way. And I think just a couple of points that I would that I that I would make, or perhaps counter arguments, that I would agree with you that yes, there will be a payback. And if it's a choice of managing procurement from your ERP system uh, or, or implementing a suite, then then yeah, I I would agree with you. I think my my counter argument would be if you're currently managing your procurement out of an ERP and you're looking to digitize, if you're a let's just say $100 million euro business, why would you buy Cooper versus when you can implement best of breed and implement it faster for a fraction of the cost? Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to plan. You don't have to plan it for months and years. You can, it's a bit of a cliche. And yes, I don't believe that you can digitalize in it within a day, like some, some of these best of breeds claim, but okay. certainly you can do it in, you can do it in weeks rather than months or years. And I think that would be my, that would be my argument that those companies, and, unless their CEO plays golf with someone from a from a large consultancy, they don't have a massive IT consultancy budget to go out and implement one of yeah. these in a major six or seven suites that are out there on the market. So yeah, I, I fully agree. I would rather have Cooper than manage it through my ERP, or I'd rather have Ariba than manage it through native SAP. But I would if I was the CPO of a $100 million Euro company, I personally would go down a route of having a best of, uh, a best of breed uh, procure to pay, a best pay e-sourcing platform, and possibly depending on, uh, on what I was buying, perhaps a best of breed contract lifecycle management tool yeah. as well, or risk management if I was, like you say, buying commodities from a geopolitically unstable area, or, or, yeah. or if, I was buy if, if I was a fashion retailer and I was buying textiles from developing countries. But that, that, that I guess, would be my counter-argument because in it, with the greatest respect, when you were doing this at P&G, the, the world has changed a lot since then, right? And, and now the software is becoming obsolete within two to three years. You, know, you don't have that, that, that long life cycle. If you, look at, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at the automotive industry you know, in the past, Going back 30, 40 years, models used to change every every maybe eight to ten years. Whereas now yeah. they're having sort of midlife model cycles every every three to four. And I think yeah. on a on a more micro scale, that's the same with procurement tech to a large yeah. extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I think you touch a very good point, right? In the end, it's all about innovation, right? And there's a quick, big question out there: Are are bigger companies able to innovate at the same pace as as smaller companies can? Right? Startup startups can. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I know at Procter & Gamble, we sometimes struggled with competition that was more agile and faster than we were, right? Or maybe <laughs> catering to more local needs or understanding consumer niches better than, than we did, right? So you, you always have, have this, right? And I think this is, you know, very healthy. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, these best of breeds providers are better companies because the best of breeds are moving so fast and are well-funded by venture capital, et cetera, et cetera, right? So they have to step up their innovation game because of that competition, which is which is a great thing. Um, I mean, your point around uh, buying multiple solutions and then tying them together, um, yes, I mean, I don't know if that, that's necessarily cheaper, 
or necessarily less work because you, you talk about the companies that have like maybe not a big IT department. Uh, but I think if you don't have a big IT department, I think it's actually an argument to not buy five different solutions and try to tie them together, but actually to 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 find the to do you know kind of find a, a simple suite and and maybe um, do only a couple of things in the suite, right? I mean, you don't have to do contract lifecycle management in the suite. I mean, Word is really a good program to do signing of contracts, for example, right? I mean, no, it's I not. It's terrible. I hate Microsoft products with a passion, but that's another story. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, I mean everybody has their. Um, I mean, it's you can't talk to uh, try to convince a, a Android user to switch to Apple or vice versa, right? I mean, people have their way, <laughs> have their ways of doing things. Um, but your point around the innovation and best of breeds innovating fast with some great solutions, and I mean, you just look at the at the future five from Spend Matters, for example, right? I mean, companies like Archlet or Pactum. Um, I mean, very exciting uh, kind of progress in terms of, and it basically gives the um, the suite providers a, a run for their money, right? They have to step up their game to stay ahead or be ahead on each of the elements that they cover, right? Because, I mean, people may be looking at only a part. I mean, they might only be interested in, let's say, contract lifecycle management or supply risk management. And obviously, then a the best of breeds. I mean, the suite supp supplier is up to another company that does nothing else but supply risk or contract lifecycle management, right? And of course, then it's a tough it's a tough comparison yeah. because um, of all the other things that the suite provider is trying to is trying to do. Isn't one of the whole sort of selling points though of the best of breed that? And it's in their interests as well, right? That they want to be able to connect easily with each other. Yeah. That's one of their selling points, isn't it? That the that the APIs are, are much much simpler to to connect with one another than they are necessarily than they are necessarily to integrate with either an EA an ERP or with one of the big suites. Because uh, unless you're in uh, Ariba or Cooper's app store, it's not as easy to connect to that as it is for best of breeds to connect with one another because they're they're all to use a cricket analogy or baseball analogy, they're batting for the same team, whereas the, the suites are, are kind of in direct competition with, uh, with, with, uh, with, with the best of breeds as, a, a, as an end solution. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do take your point that smaller businesses may not, may not have the IT resources, but at the same time, best of breed solution. Okay, if you're trying to make 10 of the things speak to each other, you're going to have a problem. But if you're trying to make two, three, four, maybe speak to one another, I think most businesses would be able to run with two or three best of breed solutions to cover the, the core of what they're doing. That, when I speak to people within the industry, I'm not an IT person, I've never done it, but from, from people within the industry that represent these companies and, and that also are, are on the technical side that I know that are in, you know, software developers that are in other industries, they, they say that for any sort of SaaS product now, APIs are very very flexible and and are pretty easy to integrate with one another as long as um as long as there is customer support and not some sort of useless ticketing system in some far flung country to to be able to support uh i t professionals when they're when they're trying to knit all of these solutions mm -hmm. together yeah. and and in fairness most of these procurement tech companies they they do have a very strong tech team and they don't outsource that to a third party because they know that that is paramount to a to an end yeah. user, to an end customer's success, to be able to integrate it with other solutions. The very nature that their best of breed means that they that, that they that they can't do everything and they focus on doing one or two things best in class. Yeah. 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 And the suites, I mean, the suite suppliers come with like, um, you know, th three major releases a year and then kind of, uh, intermediate releases, bug fixes, etc. So if you have an an API into one of those suite suppliers as a as a best of breed uh, provider, you basically have to make sure that the solution works when these different products get upgraded, right? I mean, they both get upgraded on very fast cycles, and that integration has to continue to work, right? So, I mean, and there is a lot at stake. I mean, if you are a customer, and uh, I think in PNG we integrated. I mean, like five best of breed suppliers into the Cooper platform, right? Let's say a tax engine, for example, or um, a PO specific solution, a purchase order, 
for like um, consumer research or for capital, right? So where the kind of the POs were made as part of the capital capital project, the construction project, and it was done outside of the of the suite, right? So you you see that I mean, and and those APIs have have worked well, and and I think probably PNG is is probably more more closer to ten integrations, and and um, and also data providers, right? Uh, Dun and Bradstreet data. Ecovadas data and diversity data. I mean, really to manage your categories within that that suite being kind of augmented. You don't you have your spend data, you have your contracts, you have your catalogs, etc. But you also have your um, your your risk data on suppliers. Uh, you know, whatever risk area you care about, if it's conflict minerals or cybersecurity or child labor or Whatever it is, right? Risk risk methods data on supply chains, for example. Um, you know, all that stuff can be integrated, and then the view would be become incredibly interesting for procurement, right? Because now you have like a procurement cockpit. So all the data. This is always the the big challenge for procurement is we have far more data that we can handle to drive the sourcing decisions, right? And if you're not able to bring that data together in a structured way that makes sense for your category. You only use a small percentage of the data that's available, and I think this is what, you know, digital procurement allows. Procurement, you know, I mean, it's all around increasing the impact of procurement to the business. I mean, to me, that's that's why I have so much passion for this topic, and I think James, yeah. you're, you're, I hear the same thing from you, right? I mean, no, likewise, hundred percent. Yeah, transactional stuff is is going to be automated away. It's it's automated away for for the most part. But that foundation then creates an ability for procurement to drive like a sustainability agenda, you know, diversity agenda, and wh- whatever agenda makes sense for your business. And and I think that's and that's really cool because I mean it, it's not about cost savings. Procurement is not about cost savings at all, right? It's about bringing the business to a, a different level. It's about value, which is what frustrates me, because I think we talk all the time that, and it's kind of a different topic, but we we talk all the time about procurement being value drivers. And I truly believe that we are with all of the stuff that goes under the radar. Cost, the cost avoidance is a massive one. Yeah. Yeah, I probably spent, in, in, in all projects that I was working on or supplier issues that I was working on, probably two thirds of them were, were trying to, were, were trying to avoid or negotiate away some sort of price increase or some sort of uh, some sort of commercial dispute, which is which is not a, a PL saving. But yeah. until finance start acknowledging that, I think we're still going to be going around in circles having that same conversation. So I think procurement practitioners get it, and I think most of our stakeholders get it. But the, as long as we're set objectives that are primarily based around hard PL visible cost savings, then we're, we're we're always going to be pushing jelly uphill, trying to convince people that we're not just cost reduction experts. But it has kind of a different. Maybe we can do another one on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, and I think especially yeah. on indirect indirect spend, it's all about what you buy. Are you going to buy this or are you going to buy that? And yeah, I think together with the business and developing the options and kind of the guarantees and the conditions, etc is really, really cool, right? So that's why I think the impact that procurement can have on indirect spend, let's say IT spend, for example, is actually far bigger than the impact we can have on, on direct spend, which has been kind of, I mean, the price levels of the suppliers are pretty close together and what they're offering is pretty close together. Yeah. Well, if you look and at there's IT, so much suppressed economics in it as well, right? Because especially in somewhere like automotive, people have been hammering prices down on on the yeah. procurement side to death now for the last 20 years. So yeah. suppliers just find more creative ways to make money, don't they? It's uh, yeah. and anyone, anyone can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think that uh, buying indirect is really exciting actually. And that's, I think where these platforms also deliver the biggest, biggest value, right? Because I mean, on direct side, you, your, your, your suite is still going to be your, your manufacturing ERP, right? I mean, that's where you're going to hold your inventory, et cetera. And I think that's also interesting to see how that part can be better connected with the supply base, which is a whole different yeah. topic, which is, I think, harder to solve. Um, I mean, PNG was also responsible for supplier connectivity, and that's not easy on, on those big uh, those big uh, chemical uh, suppliers, et cetera. And, and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's not easy to connect your ERP with the ERP of the, 
of the supplier. Yeah, and I would agree. I think the biggest, I think the biggest opportunity for digitalization within procurement is going to be on the indirect side. But talking best of breed, there are there are some interesting tools out there that do things like cost and price estimation. You know, one of them, Dutch guys, Dynamics. What's the price? They're they're, they're one solution, yeah. and and also around things like planning. I think Genlots, they're based in Switzerland, are doing something yeah. around around production planning, and that's also a big area on direct materials. So. I do think there's some exciting innovation in that space, but you're right. It's the opportunity predominantly is the, is on the indirect side and especially around services procurement. I think that's an area that digitalization historically has not touched so much, but now with, um, with, with, with some of the tools that are, that are out there and, and coming on board, there's a big proliferation there, proliferation, can't say that word around that area, which I think will continue to grow with. Things like IT and marketing spend coming more into focus as areas that procurement are starting to put their arms around and and bring under their management. I'm just conscious of the time, but we uh, um, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you before we signed off was around going back to this whole best of breed versus sweet debate, particularly around consolidations and acquisitions in future, both on the sweet side and on the best of breed side. Where do you see this going? And I'll refine my question a little bit in terms of what I mean here. So my personal view is that there probably isn't room for seven providers of suites out there going forward into the future, even though you know there's a big market to go after that hasn't started their digitalization. So will there be consolidation there, do you think? And, I, and the second part of that question is, as you alluded to earlier, there are a lot of best of breed solutions that are getting good funding from from VCs at the moment. And that at some point, the music has to stop because they're not going to fund these companies forever. At some point, they either have to be profitable or they have to show a growth strategy that is sustainable. And while some of them are growing very quickly and, and adding customers just as fast as they're adding employees, you know, some of them seem to be going on a hiring spree, but you're not seeing their customer space expand so quickly. And and at some point, you know, when they come to get the next round of funding, the VCs are going to turn around and say, we're not going to give you any more money. So do you think the big suites will start to acquire them? Or do you think some of the more successful best of breed solutions that are growing very, very quickly will uh, will sort of take that space and expand into being sort of mini suites? I mean, we're already seeing it with, I mean, I, I can have two examples that I interviewed recently. Vendorful and Scan Market would probably fit yeah. into that space. So is that an area that you think is going to expand or do you think the suites will gobble up all of these companies when they when they fail to get the next round of venture money? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you see um, both Coupa and also Workday making big acquisitions, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. what is it uh, in supply chain, in... in, in, in uh, uh, like uh, contract labor, contingent workforce, right? Uh, or sourcing. Um, so you see big acquisitions. Oh, that's Vendly, isn't it? That was, that Vendly, was right? so that's, by, yeah. Yeah, by, by Workday. Two half yeah. a billion dollar acquisitions by Workday and a $1.2 billion acquisition by Coupa in the last um, 18 months or something, right? So those are... That's I mean, those Lama are Soft by Coupa, yeah. Lama Soft, right? So those are big yeah. deals. And I think this is why venture capital is interested to back some of these uh, startups, right? Because they... They see like a nice exit strategy by some of these, you know, big software companies to acquire those, you know, the best of the best of breeds providers, right? And and so you you come you will continue to see that, and I think more of that is coming. And and I think a lot of people don't realize how many acquisitions these tech companies make, right? I mean, like a Google or a Twitter or a Facebook, they they make. They've made hundreds of acquisitions, right? And most of them... Right, are it's just the big ones you hear of, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and some big ones like, um, you know, Facebook acquiring um, uh, WhatsApp or uh, Instagram. I mean, those hit the radar screen, but there's there's thousands of acquisitions that nobody ever sees. And uh, and this is how the tech companies... The, and Salesforce does the same, right? I mean, Salesforce has yeah. bought uh, um, Tableau, uh, 25, I think it was $25 billion acquisition. <laughs> I mean, so those are not... Not small ones, right? So there's a lot of money going around in the tech world, and that's funding, uh, and that's fueling the funding of the best of breed providers, right? So, and I think also there will be best of breed 
providers that um, you know want to kind of expand from maybe contract management to source to contract, right? And and to me, source to contract is kind of an area where you say, well, I have a a suite for source to contract, and I maybe have you know my P two P still in in ERP. I mean, you could. I mean, I'm not saying that's what I will do, but I mean, you, maybe some companies yeah. decide that's all they can. They can they can eat or they, that's all they can do for the moment, right? So there will be uh, collaborations between different providers in the source to contract area. Let's say a spend analytics company working with a e-sourcing company working with a um, let's say Pagan Busta or sourcing optimization and bringing those like three or four of those solutions together uh, with APIs and then going to the market together as well as a source to source to contract provider versus a spent analytics provider or an e-sourcing provider. So you, you you will see some of those things happening as well, I think. Do you not think that there will be acquisitions, though, from maybe some of the better funded, oh, yeah. best of breed solutions? I'm thinking maybe like a, a fair market or a, or, or a Scout B or a Teal book that's, that, that's been on a big growth strategy and is well funded. Because I guess then the question is, do they spend that money on on hiring employees and, and expanding their products, or do they just acquire someone and then integrate that into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they will continue to do both. And and uh, I mean, acquisitions is not easy. Yeah. I mean, I've I've done uh, quite. I've been involved in quite some acquisitions in 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 Procter and Gamble, Wella, Gillette, uh, Colgate, uh, businesses, etc. And um, it's not easy to get it right. And I think um, because you have you know two cultures and and. And so, but I think tech companies in general are are quite good at in, at at identifying and then integrating the right uh, the the right companies to grow faster than they can without that strategy, right? So it's it's uh, but it's not for everyone, right? I mean, some companies will never acquire all the businesses because they think the risk is just too high. The risk of the strategy is just too high. Um, yeah. Because of the whole, well, as you as you mentioned, uh, the whole cultural challenge of integrating two different companies into one, rather than just yeah. hiring and building it, building a solution yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really difficult to do acquisitions, and I've seen it uh, seen it closely, and it's I mean, it's it's very interesting work, but it's not it's not easy work. What, what do you think about the suites? I mean, do you think all of them will still exist in sort of three to five years' time? And I think we we would both agree that SAP, Ariba, and Cooper will, will will still be there, and they're both too big to fail unless unless SAP decides to go in a different market direction as part of a bigger uh, a bit of a bigger enterprise. But what about the others? I mean, do you think they will all, without naming names, will they all be there in sort of three years, five mm-hmm. years' time? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think some of them are already struggling, actually. I mean, even in a market where uh, that's growing fast, right? Procurement tech is growing very, very fast. Uh, but they struggle to innovate. And I think the space between like startups that are really innovative and then uh, suites that have critical mass and, and massive supply networks, I think the space in between those two is getting smaller, right? I think it's it's kind of hard to kind of be like a semi-suite or some some something of a suite, but don't have the 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 scale that the real suites have or the real supply networks have, and still you're you're also not innovating at the pace that let's say um, you know a a scout RFP or or fair market or or some of the the others are innovating at right. So if you're caught between that, um, I I think you you can be you can get into trouble, right? And, uh, you know, not every tech company is going to survive for sure, right? I mean, there's going to be <laughs> a lot more that actually won't make it than companies that that do make it, right? But the, the, the funny thing is we only see the companies that do make it, right? So we think that's that's the reality. And there's many examples of companies that that don't make it. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's also kind of, yeah, it's it's that's life, right? I mean, this is how this is how it works. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And I think this, will will my current database of sort of circa three hundred procure tech companies that I currently have will that be bigger or smaller in one or two years' time? It's really inter- not a really interesting question. You could argue it both ways because of new entrants, but then also inevitably, you know, some of them will 
will fail or get acquired or will not get their next round of funding. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, no, I mean so, super dynamic space and very very exciting. So it's uh, it's great to work in this space. So final qu question, Nico. If anyone wants to reach out to you before we sign off, what's the what's the best place that people can get hold of you? Is it on on LinkedIn or is there another place that I should send everyone? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean LinkedIn. Uh, I I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Um. So uh, so Nico back on uh, on LinkedIn. The business is called the uh, Digital Procurement Now. Um, so actually, we have also uh, a LinkedIn website of of Digital Procurement Now and a, and a website. Um, so yes, please uh, reach out. I think we we very much specialized in um, in digital procurement strategy, and I think what makes us unique is that we are all practitioners, right? We are procurement practitioners, and we've we've done procurement for decades, so we know procurement very well, and we've learned the technology side to be able to help clients with digital procurement strategy. Um, and, and, and I think another one is that we, we really like to keep things simple, right? So you have a lot of companies out there that advise on digital procurement <laughs> and they come with very complex, uh, you know, charts and fancy slides, et cetera. And they forget the essence, which is, you know, people and make it simple for people. And if you do that and make every person win in this, I mean, when you do that, you will have a, a massively successful uh, digital procurement transformation. And I think if you listen to a lot of the of the consultants out there, I mean, they like to sell days, hours, as much as possible. And they don't come with simple yeah. solutions because it's against their interest. Um, and it's yeah. really unfortunate, right? I mean, and this is probably also one reason, one of the reasons we decided, you know, decided to start the business, uh, Digital Procurement Now, which is focused on the, the success of the customer and it's focused on the people at the customer's side, right? I mean, it's in the end, yeah. uh, it's people, process, technology, but people are first, right? I mean, that's the capital P. Um, and uh, procurement, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the procurement processes are not really designed for people, right? They're designed for compliance or control. Or yeah, yeah. And Inter internal auditors and lawyers having to justify <laughs> that they, they, they still yeah, don't get me started on this one. It's interesting, yeah. actually. That's a good that's a good segue, actually, into the next one of these that I will be doing, which is which is going to be in January. I, I think it's the 26th, but I'll, I'll have to double check. Um, that, will be, that will be with Professor Florian Kleermann, who is a university professor and lecturer based in Munich. And, and his specialism or what he talks about a lot is the whole you know people and personnel factor in in making digital transformation a success in terms of people culture and uh, an openness to change and how do you bring people on the journey so we won't touch on that anymore but yeah that will be a really interesting discussion and likewise Nico I'm a huge fan of simplicity as well and you know I talk about this pragmatism over process every time and agility yeah. And I would much rather have something that doesn't have as many features, but more people will use internally because then ultimately you get more spend on the management don't you? and you get better data. So, yeah, absolutely 100% on the same wavelength there, even though we may disagree a little bit about sweets versus best of breed. It's been a pleasure. Great to catch up. We must have a beer again sometime if we can still travel whenever, <laughs> whenever we get mm -hmm. to chat next time. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for joining me on this very first ProcureTech pub which for anyone listening to the podcast was originally broadcast uh, on LinkedIn Live, uh, which is, uh, yeah, check out the ProcureTech podcast page on LinkedIn if you're listening to this in the podcast uh, and catch the next one that we do uh, as a live video stream if you'd like to see what we look like. Uh, thanks again, Nico. All the best. Take care. And uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Yeah, really like doing this. Thank you, James. <laughs>